he you know did drugs and alcohol and 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 that doesn't work for me and I didn't but at the time I thought that allowance for somebody else was making what they were doing okay allowance does not mean that you're a doormat he can choose what he wants to choose and I can choose what I want to choose but not being a doormat doesn't mean I have to live with it this is episode number 488 with Venus Kesselberg, looking for love in all the wrong places. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love, and it's filled with 30 chapters and exercises, stories. Some of these podcast interviews are in the book. And um, each chapter helps you to show up, stand up, and speak up to step more fully into your value. And you can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book on becoming a woman of value is step number 18, dare to think big. We often think really small in our lives. Unfortunately, I was also a person who did, and I'm pretty sure that Venus also might have been <laughs> similar as she's smiling and laughing right now. <laughs> I think many of us are not raised to really think about who we are as our fullest potential. And so when we really think big, we can actually be bigger. And so I encourage you, if you're thinking small about anything in life, like I can't, or I, I don't know how to write a book, where would I even start? Venus and I both have written books. Whoever knew we would do that, right? And so it's, <laughs> it's often just a step-by-step -step process of like, believe it, do it, and it happens. So if there's something you've been struggling with and you're thinking small about, I challenge you this week to take one step towards thinking bigger about that challenge. Before I bring Venus on, I want to give a shout out to my Facebook group. We are totally in love with this Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And we are a group for single women over 40. Some of them actually are in relationships, but it's for people who want to grow in healthy love. And so the focus is on positive growth. It's on working through challenges. It's not focused on complaining and victim mentality, but on a growth mindset. And so if you have a growth mindset or you'd like to adapt one, come and join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Venus Kesselberg. She's the author of a new book, Here to Forever, Finally Free to Be Me. And it's a story that explores looking for love in all the wrong places, which is the topic of today's episode. She came from a belief system that was flawed and broken, and she discovered how to like herself. She delivers the tools and processes to create something greater, which is what is all about thinking big. A seasoned entrepreneur, she's a holistic healthcare practitioner and a coach. Venus is devoted to a life of joyful possibility. I love that. Welcome to the show, Venus. Thank you, Sandy. It was wonderful. I love that tip you gave. That it's like, yeah, think bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We are so guilty of thinking small. And <laughs> we, even if we have thought big or done big things, it's still easy to fall back into that. So 
it's a good reminder to believe that we are more than we may believe because mm -hmm. we are our thoughts and our beliefs. <laughs> so let's get into your book. It's uh, really, the title really spoke to me and I'm imagining um, you went through a lot to be able to write this book. So tell us a little bit about the story behind the story. I, I started at a very young age thinking that finding the one and that there was one person out there for me. And that was like kind of my lot in life. And, um, and I, I did, I looked for love in all the wrong places, but I, you know, I would even say to a degree, I looked in relationships with my family and I looked in relationships with romantic partners and I looked in friendships and I looked to religion and I looked to all these places to kind of find this, this energy that I was looking for of fulfillment and feeling whole because somehow I thought it was broken and I thought I needed to be fixed um, and that that would make me feel whole and complete if I found the right relationship whatever relationship that was you know um, so that's how it started and um, I never ever thought I'd write a book about my dating experiences <laughs> 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 um, because I thought, well, what, what would make that interesting? But what finally, where I got to in my own life was the realization that the person that I'd always been looking for was me. And it wasn't outside of me. It wasn't um, in the place that I lived or the perfect relationship or the one, finding the one. Um, and then I realized maybe there's a lot more people out there who are, are always looking for love, thinking that that's going to make them feel perfect and whole and complete. And what if we're actually whole, perfect and complete already without anything and everything else is just a bonus. <laughs> mm. I, I really love that whole approach to finding wholeness within. And I, I think we, we tend to look outside ourselves for so many things, not just love, that the, the answer to everything is outside and we're not taught to look within. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because I'm, I'm a dating coach and I'm single now. And people say, well, I don't know, like, should I hire you? You're single. And what about you? Is that success? And I'm like, yeah, it actually is because I have found that wholeness within and I'm happy inside. And so I'm looking for someone to enhance that joy, not drain the life out of me, which is why I'm not in a relationship right now, but I'm, I'm looking for that person or people. And sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes it's a person comes into your life for a short period of time and, and you learn lessons from that person and you keep moving on. So let's talk about some of those lessons that you've learned about relationships and love. I would say now, nowadays, cause I'm, I actually am in a partnership, which came after the book, which was really funny, but it, I'd finally gotten to this place of being at ease with myself and, and a piece of myself. And then knew that, yeah, like you said, it would be an enhancement. It would be something that added to my life and that would create greater. Um, and one of the things that I've learned by being in that partnership um, has been really just letting go of judgment 
and letting go of the points of view that the person needs to show up a certain way, um, whether you know they need to work a certain way or work a certain number of hours or have a certain amount of money or look a certain way. It's like all of that has, I've let all of that go, but I noticed that that's because I don't judge me. Because if I'm not judging me, then I'm not judging him. Um, and I find that that's true for a lot of my relationships is like the absence of judgments towards myself keeps me from judging other people. I, I would say that that gets in the way of so many relationships mm -hmm. and we don't approach with curiosity. We approach with judgments, with assumptions. And it's like, so what, you know, I like to say, if you have a goal and you want to be happier or you want to meet that partner you can have an idea about how you want to feel with that person. Mm -hmm. But when you start limiting it with this job and this look and this, and it has to happen this way. And with these circumstances, that's what often makes us not only miss the right part. Like a lot of times we might actually meet that person and not even know it, but it also, um, it limits us. And, you know, I've seen some of the best relationships with people who never would have met had they been so rigid in their requirements, like people who have different class, you know, middle class, upper class, lower class, blue collar, white collar, um, distances, height differences, weight differences, hair qualification. I mean, so many of these things actually are changeable. And we don't realize like people who say, oh, I need financial stability. And I go, whose finances are stable? Like we can't <laughs> control every part of finance. Some people got fired during COVID and had no control over that. Businesses failed. They had no control over that necessarily. But that doesn't mean that person's a bad person or irresponsible or financially irresponsible it might mean that they needed to start over. And how did they do that? That to me is a sign of character. Yeah, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on some of that, like you know, how, how you found this guy that you're with and um, what are some of the things that you, that you overlooked or you didn't look for this time around? That's a really great question. Um, and it was very different because um, I think we all know this, like you kind of date the same person over and over again for a while until you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And because I'd written this book, I really had a very good picture of the fact that I had dated the same guy over and over and over again. And I was like, wow, okay. So, so if none of that is relevant anymore, like, like you said, like what they look like or what they do for a living or anything like that, it was just like, okay, so my question to the universe, to myself was, okay, will this create greater? And um, he was actually a guy I knew a long time ago um, who he just happened to be going through a rough time in his life and he called me for advice. He uh, called me for a book, a book recommendation. And um, I recommended a book called Being You Changing the World by Dr. Ding here. It's a great book. Um, and, uh, he read it and he just absorbed it. I think he said he read it like eight times in three weeks. Like he was just so engrossed into the book and the, how much it changed. And we just started hanging out as friends. 
And I, and I remember the weekend that it changed for me because he didn't look anything like I had normally dated or, and he sold insurance and I never dated an insurance guy yet. So there was all sorts of points of view about it. And then I, but the, but when I met him this time around, it was just like, we, we just hung out. And, and one of the things I had asked for was, was laughter, was joy to have an ease, you know? And I just noticed by the end of the weekend that he made me laugh a lot. <laughs> And I realized to me, it was like, well, what's really important to me here? What he looks like or what he does for a living? Or is it that he makes me laugh and we have fun together and we enjoy each other's company? Um, and yeah, and he continues to make me laugh. And we've been together now four years. So, so there's been quite an adventure. And um, yeah, but it's just letting go of those preconceived ideas. And it doesn't mean that when we're in relationship, things don't come up. But one of the ways that I've gotten through getting over the judgments or my points of view about anything that he had was um, I would focus on what am I grateful for him for? So instead of focusing on what I don't like or what's not working, I'm like, what am I grateful for? And I think about that every day. And I know that that makes a huge difference in our relationship. Yeah. Do you express that every day too? Yeah. Um, towards each other, we, we do. We actually, actually say we're grateful for each other more than we say we love each other because mm -hmm. love has, everybody's definition of love is very different. And so um, you can actually get kind of locked up in, in the word love. So we do, we tell each other we're grateful for each other and that we adore each other. Um, and sometimes we say we love each other, but it's more gratitude for the person. And I just find that that for me, gratitude grows. It creates um, more possibility and more openness. And the judgment obviously, you know, kills kind of what's possible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I love the gratitude piece because people do get hung up on did he say he loves me? You know, what does it mean? We've been together. He hasn't said it. There's something wrong. And again, that's being hung up on words and on the outside expectations of what does it look like to be loved? You have to hear mm -hmm. these words. Well, if that's important to you, you know, definitely do something about that. But I think that when we can, again, open up, what does that look like? And what does it feel like more than anything? That's mm -hmm. really what's important. So yeah. what I'm hearing you say is one of the most valuable lessons you learned is to stop judging yourself, which made you stop judging others, which made you more open and open to the possibility of joy, which is your big ask for the universe. Mm -hmm. And opening to joy attracted this person to you as a possibility as a partner rather than just somebody you knew because you mm -hmm. were laughing together and right yep yeah yeah, yeah I mean it's laughter people don't realize how important laughter is mm -hmm. it's you see happy couples when they're older you know like an 80 year old married couple who've been married for like 50 years or whatever and they still laugh together. That's often the secret to the happiness of and the joy of this couple. And 
I always say, and I, I'm just curious what you have to say about this, but I, I think that laughter is attached to our worldview because we all laugh at different things. You know, somebody might find something funny. Like I was married to a comedian who I laughed at a lot of the things that he wrote and did and performed. And then sometimes he laughed at my expense, which wasn't funny at all to me. <laughs> and so, you know, or slapstick comedy or ironic comedy or, you know, just sarcastic comedy is funny to some people and not to others. So, yeah, why do you think laughter is such a connector? Well, I, I think when we're laughing, we, we don't have our walls and barriers up so much. Like we're just, we're vulnerable, we're open, we're um, share. It's almost like we're sharing in a moment, you know, because it's like we're both laughing. It's like, oh, okay, that was funny. And, and I get what you're saying though about the sarcasm. I mean, that's not necessarily funny. Sarcasm is actually usually a downplay of somebody else to make, you know, make something funny. But when you're just laughing at like your own quirkiness or you're laughing at, you know, how silly you guys can be or, you know, laughing at, I don't know, some silly thing that you did or said, you know, something weird came out of your mouth and you're like, oh, that was funny or sounded weird. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> but just being able to make it laugh about it is like we make it so there's it's not significant. You know, it takes that significance out of of the world and life it's like we make so much stuff significant and make it mean something and make it like hard and you know we have to work through it and it's like well what if we could bypass all that and we could just find the joy in it and be like i know there's still going to be things that are not easy but there can be an ease to it. There can be a knowing that, okay, this is still working out in my favor. It's still conspiring. The universe is still conspiring for me, not yeah. against me. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Sometimes... I'll even ask before I say something to my partner, like, is this relevant? Mm. Like, is this thing that I want to bring up or point out or like be right about, is it really relevant? Mm. And if it's not relevant, then just don't say it. <laughs> like, like, I'm really interested in always having conversations with like to get out of proving and being right. And, and I want to be a contribution. Like, is this going to contribute to people's lives or am I trying to be right here or trying to prove something? And if I'm trying to prove something and be right, I just be quiet. <laughs> like, it's okay to not say anything at all. 
Uh, wow, <laughs> that's very evolved. And your ego is going, but I need to be heard and I need yep. to be right. <laughs> oh, sure. And sometimes I still say it and I'm not perfect, trust me. But right. then I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That was trying to be right there. <laughs> right, but it's that awareness. And I think for anybody listening, thinking, oh, I could never do that. That's so Zen and I can't be that way. It's a process and it is the first step is always awareness. I say this so many times. It's like just knowing like you're caught up in, in having to be right or I'm trying to prove something or I'm, I'm sharing something that's completely irrelevant. I don't need to share this. Mm-hmm. Taking the time to process is huge. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, another way of saying that too is just practice. You don't go to the gym and suddenly, you know, lift massive weights. You, you lift a little weight first and then you build up. So, yeah. um, and again, I'm, I have not arrived. I don't even think I will ever arrive. I just <laughs> have practiced. So yeah. I don't think there is an arrival spot. I think it is. I think it's a lifetime pursuit. And I think that if we think we've arrived, then we stop growing. And it's, mm-hmm. there's always another level. There's always a way to be even more connected and even more conscious, really. Mm-hmm. I do Absolutely. believe that. Yeah. So we have a lot of listeners who have been looking for love in the wrong places. And you know, I would love for you to share some of the steps you took to creating a healthy, loving partnership. I mean, you mentioned letting go of judgment, but what other tips can you share? Well, um, really the pivotal point for me um, in my own personal story, I, the last relationship I was in before this one and the end of the book <laughs> um, was actually a semi-abusive relationship. And um, it was a verbal abuse. And, and I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people out there have experienced all sorts of abuse and I have you know, a plethora of history with that. Um, but that particular relationship was my first moment where I went, I can't leave this relationship until I change this because I know that I'm going to recreate it again. I finally got that awareness. Like I am going to just recreate this. I have to change this. And so what I did is I actually took a tool from access consciousness and it's called the five elements of intimacy and it's honor, trust, gratitude, um, vulnerability, and allowance. And I took those five elements of intimacy and I, I turned them to me. I, I practiced being vulnerable with myself. I practiced being grateful for myself. I practiced having allowance for myself. I took six months to do this. Not again, I haven't arrived, but I, I took those tools and I really dove in and I went, okay, I need to have this with me. And, and I remember when I finally left that relationship, I realized I had that um, total honoring, honor is one of them, of myself. I had my own back and I, and I was able to leave, but I also knew in that moment, I would never recreate that again because I had my own back and I was finally happy being with me. Um, and that love, adoration, gratitude for myself I know that this new partnership would have never come for me it would have never come had I not finally got there and I I spent months being single um I know it might not seem like a long time but for me who is a serial monogamous 
I would go from relationship to relationship. So, um, and I, and I was really happy. Like I, and I knew that if a relationship wasn't going to add greater to my life, I wasn't interested. Um, but in the past I was like most people, I would settle for a bad relationship rather than no relationship. So, um, really getting that point was like, no, it has to be something that's going to be create even greater in my life to make things even better, to be the icing on the cake, but I'm already the cake. I'm not looking for the cake and then hoping to be the frosting. <laughs> You're right. Uh, it's funny. I, I had a client once who said she used to tell men, um, I don't need a cake. Or I don't, I don't she, she said it in a way that it was like, I don't need you. And I think a lot of men were like, oh, okay, well, then I'm not going to date you. Um, she did finally find a partner. <laughs> it was just like, I don't need, I've got all the ingredients. I don't need the cake. I don't need the frosting. Um, <laughs> but I love that you turned them inwards. These, um, so what are they? This five steps? Five elements of intimacy. Elements. Okay. And then, um, so a couple of things I had to uh, wanted to just reflect on. One is that you said semi-abusive, and I just want to say that verbally abusive is abusive. And so <laughs> anybody who's listening, I don't, I don't want to diminish any type of abuse. Often we think that verbal abuse is not as bad as physical abuse. And I have also experienced verbal abuse and it's horrible. It's so demeaning and it's, in many ways, it's harder to leave verbally abusive relationships because mm -hmm. people can't see the bruises. So right. I just I just wanted to highlight that because um, it is important. Um, it's abuse. So absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing is, I, I just wanted to get clarity about. Um, you said something about, and I'm not sure if I heard it right, that you couldn't leave the relationship until you worked on yourself. Is that what you did? You you worked on yourself while you were in it? I did, yes. Okay. I chose because I knew that I needed to change the pattern that I was creating. And mm -hmm. if I didn't, if I, if I left that relationship at that time, I was just going to recreate the exact same thing because I was just jumping from relationship to relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't necessarily recommend that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, like people have to do what's best for them. I just knew that I needed, because I didn't want to leave. At the time, I wasn't really noticing the abuse. So that's part of it. The abuse I noticed after it was like, oh, that was weird. I just, but I just put up with that. But I had this weird energetic, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, it felt like I couldn't leave. And I was like, okay, so I need to get, whatever this is complete so I can leave. <laughs> um, but there was something that wouldn't let me leave. And when I look back in hindsight, I was like, oh, I actually think that that was because I needed to get the pattern complete by being in that. And then, and I got to practice allowance with him really well. Like um, he, you know, did drugs and alcohol and, 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 that doesn't work for me. And I didn't, but at the time I thought that allowance for somebody else was making what they were doing. Okay. Allowance does not mean that you're a doormat. And I, that was the other piece I had to get. Cause I was still thinking that allowance meant I had to be a doormat. 
So, tell, tell us what allowance means. That was the one other question I had. Oh, um, so allowance is everything is just an interesting point of view. So meaning he can choose what he wants to choose and I can choose what I want to choose. But not being a doormat doesn't mean I have to live with it. But I had allowance mixed up that allowance meant that I had to live with it to be an allowance. Allowance is actually not that. It's just saying, okay, that's what you want to choose for your life. Honoring of me, is that what I want to choose for my life? If it's not, then not being in that relationship. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. So it sounds okay. like, um, like when you had allowance for yourself, you had less judgment of yourself. You had, um, you weren't judging things as good or bad. And it's, it's like a self-acceptance. Yeah. And then also not judging his choices, but realizing that didn't mean I had to be roommates with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and I, you know, I think that's a really important point. I think that a lot of people have to paint somebody as vilified, as bad in order to leave them. And this, you know, I think leads to holding on to anger and not forgiving and not seeing the humanity in other people. Somebody mm -hmm. can be wrong for you and be struggling with themselves and not be bad or good, you know? And I think when we stop labeling these, labeling people, we, mm -hmm. when we're kinder to ourselves, we, we are much less judgmental of others. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we just get unhooked from all of these, this, this attachment that it has to be bad for me to go, or that person is a terrible person. A lot right. of people are struggling and mm -hmm. a lot of people are just not the right partner for us, but they're not necessarily struggling either. Like we just right. don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's such an important thing. So I really love the honor, trust, gratitude, vulnerability, and allowance, and that you do have to have it for yourself first, mm -hmm. having your own back, trusting yourself, being grateful for who you are being vulnerable with yourself means that that's the, you know, permission piece. Like, what am I doing here? Am I, am I proving and, you know, get vulnerable by asking the questions. And yeah. um, a lot of people think vulnerability means opening up and sharing your entire life story. And that's often actually not vulnerable. It's, mm -hmm. it's oversharing and crossing boundaries, <laughs> but um, vulnerability is just like, I feel my feelings and I'm not afraid to ask the hard questions and to get real with myself. Yeah. And it, it's, it can be as simple as just, is this working for me? <laughs> yeah. Like if it, and if it's not working for you, like you said, you don't need to vilify the other person. It's just not working for you. Yeah. So, Go choose something else. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing that you said, though, that I also wanted to highlight is that when you were in it, it was hard for you to see it. And I know there are a lot of people listening who have not had the distance to be able to really understand those gut feelings, those little mm, something's off, but I'm not sure because most of us grew up with some level of dysfunction where we don't know what that line in the sand is. And it took right. me a very long time. This is why I teach boundaries and communication skills because we often will feel something and we go, eh, you know, it feels weird, but maybe it's me. Maybe I'm being too sensitive because you've been told that your whole life. And it's like, no, 
you've got to start to see, okay, this means something. There's a reason why my body is feeling a certain way. And it's important to really explore that. What's going on for me? And often your body, your body knows before your brain knows. Absolutely. And the body is a, um, an extreme sensory organ. So it picks up everybody's thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you're walking by let alone sleeping with. So. <laughs> That's right. So choose carefully. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but I, I want to come back to the distance thing. And I, I highly recommend that if you're in a relationship and you're feeling these things, like you're not sure, go away for a couple of days. Go, go stay with a friend who's a warm, loving person who appreciates you and sees you for who you are, for your best self. And have some distance because distance can really help you have clarity. When you're in it, it's really, really hard. And I, I was married for 23 years. And um, the first time I went away was for the summer. I was working at a sleepaway camp. And I was with my kids and my husband would come up on the weekends. And it was the first time I had that distance. Like, even though I knew things were not great, I didn't the extent of it until I had that distance and so it's it's really really important to take yourself away and have some perspective and also listen to people if lots of people are telling you here's what we see and they're they're loving people not just there to criticize mm -hmm. you know I don't do you have anything to add to that I do um I'll, I'll go about it a little bit differently because I know a lot of people, if a person is telling you that this, if they're questioning the person that you're with, I know your first defense is to fight for that person. <laughs> and I would highly encourage you, maybe like she, um, Sandy just said, go away, go spend some time with somebody, ask yourself the question, go for a drive. Drives really help me a lot, like getting in my car and just driving. Um, but be willing to ask the question anyway, even though the normal tendency when somebody says you shouldn't be with that person or that person, I don't know about that person, is that you try to prove that that person's right for you and you'll stay with them longer. I'd just like to encourage you to maybe ask a question sooner rather than try to prove that you're right. Because if the person that's asking the question really does care about you, then they are, they have your back and they're trying to point out something that maybe you don't see. So that would be first, because I know our immediate is like, I'll prove he's the best guy for me. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, and then you're with him longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you're saying... You know, it's, it's, it is an instinct to defend the other person, to defend your partner. Um, and people do this all the time. Um, but if this person has your back, go for a drive, go away. And when you say ask the question, what's the question you want people to ask themselves? Is this really working for me? Mm. You know? Is this the relationship that I like to have? Um, Gary Douglas says that relationship that works is a relationship that works for you. So if it's a relationship that works for you, nobody else can tell you that you should choose different. So you have to ask that question of yourself. I like that. 
I mean, I tell clients this on a date. How do, how do you feel on the date? Not, does he have a good job? <laughs> it's like you hear the dating debrief with a client and they'll often say, um, but he comes from a, a, a good, solid family and he has this, this, and this. And I'm like, how did you feel? Well, I felt really creepy and he, he did these weird things to me during the date. And I'm like, and then she says, I, I don't know why he hasn't asked me out again. I'm like, why do you want to go out with him again? You didn't enjoy his company. He creeped you out. There were red flags during the date. He said things that were completely crossing the line, but you focus on the wrong things. But he comes mm -hmm. from a nice family and he has a good job and he's tall and he's handsome. And so we get very distracted by those checklists. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing and, uh, it has to work for you. Yes. Yeah. I had a mentor once say that you have seven, um, seven deal breakers. Like you have seven things that you absolutely must have, like that would be deal breakers for you. And, and you have to figure out what those are for you. Cause some people want <clears throat> monogamy in a relationship and some people it's really important that they don't smoke and some, you know, it's like, so you, but like, figure out what those seven things are that are the most important to you that you absolutely cannot live without and everything else you compromise on. And then you might not have, you have seven, but like, like really get clear on the, the things that are the most important for you to have that you couldn't live without. And then you compromise, you know, I don't necessarily like snoring, but it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can navigate around the snoring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really hard for people to do because mm -hmm. they confuse the must-haves with the nice-to-haves or the yeah. annoying habits with the deal-breakers. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got annoying habits. And again, that, that whole self-acceptance piece that you talked about earlier is so important in this process because the more you can say, well, I have stuff that might be hard for somebody to live with, but... You know, so if I if I'm okay with them, and if I can forgive myself for the things that I might annoy people with, um, I need to learn to be kind to others and to accept those things. But you know, a must-have could be part of the integrity. You know, it's this person has to tell the truth, has to be honest, and you know, values the integrity of a relationship and puts the relationship as you know front and center. You know, I've dated people who were lovely, but did not value relationship. They valued work more. That's fine. Go, go do your job. You're a nice guy, but I'm looking for somebody who values relationship more than work. You know, that, that it's going to be take precedence enough that you will remember when we set up a date <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna forget so yeah it's these things are so so important um yeah so if you're in an unhealthy relationship and your friends tell you they're concerned do take some space for yourself and ask yourself these great questions and know what you need because you're the only one who's going to know what those things are they're different for everyone and do learn to compromise because you can't have everything <laughs> there's always going to be something but the more compassionate you can be with yourself the more you're going to be able to live with them mm -hmm. absolutely yeah
I know you have a free gift for our audience. And if you can tell us what the gift is and also how people can find you and find your book, that would be great. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I did an audible um, chapter of the book and it's actually not the first chapter. It's a chapter later in the book. Um, so I'd love to offer the free chapter if you guys are interested. Um, we'll include the link. And um, my book is here to forever, um, finally free to be me. And it's on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. So beautiful. Well, thank you for this important conversation, Venus. It's, it's just wonderful to see the transformation that can happen when you do the work because there are a lot of people who are stuck in these cycles of having to be in a relationship, even if it's a bad one. And so for all of you who are struggling right now, know that transformation is possible and it starts with the most important person in the world, you. <laughs> oh, wonderful, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you everybody for listening. If you love our show, please rate and review and subscribe to the show. Um, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It, every rating is important to the continued success of the show. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.